Athlete's secret weapon. Unlock the power in your mind. This is the pledge to hear from sporting champions. Sit back, listen, and release the champion in you. The Athlete's Second Weapon a podcast, and my guest today is an awesome guest, Anna Karzitsky. Anna is, well, she was an 18-year-old world junior rowing champion, and we're going to just follow her story. There's already, I know, there's some incredible stuff in there because I've known Anna for a little while now, just helping her through, I guess, her next stage in life. There's some massive things are going on, so I'll let Anna explain that through. So I'll hand it over to Anna. Um, so anyone who's listening to this in the podcast, please feel free, have a look on YouTube because I've actually got this on video as well, so I'm waiting right now. <laughs> so please welcome Anna. Give us a bit of a rundown on the Anna at the age of 14 and what got you into rowing, first of all? How did you find that? Yeah, so I started rowing, I kind of took it up accidentally. Uh, my sister... An accidental world champion. Whoops, <laughs> yeah. didn't think that would happen. <laughs> um, yeah, well, my sister rode before I did, mm-hmm. and she came home and she spoke about catching crabs, which I thought meant you threw a fishing line over the boat and you, you caught some crabs and, you know, it was it fun. It could be as well while you Yeah, yeah. How could it exist? It was great. Perfect. Yeah, and so I really wanted to try it. Mm-hmm. Um Although crabs didn't quite mean uh, catching the actual animal, but rather just getting your oar stuck in the water and almost falling out of the boat. So mm-hmm. uh, once I found that out, I realized that it was a very different sport. Yeah. And yeah, so I actually was a coxswain before I rode. Mm-hmm. So the little person that sits there and steers and yells at everyone. Awesome. It was so fun. I, <laughs> um, I think everyone should do that. Sit yeah. and yell at people. Yeah, just if you're really it's heavy though, you might want to, yeah, mm. maybe get them to pull harder, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was terrible at that, and they asked me never to come back, but I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I started to row in year eight at, yeah. in high school, and I just sort of loved it. I fell yeah. in love with um, with the community and the people and just the sport. It was really good for me. Just I tried so many different sports, yeah. and never really saw much progress, Um, but for rowing, it was like, the more work I put in, I actually improved, and I hadn't seen that in anything else, Mm. so I thought, yeah, I'll give this sport a try, I like it, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so it's fascinating that you decided on that, so look, for me, I I didn't like team sports, I was good, but for me, I settled on individual, because I thought, look, if anyone's going to have an impact, I want to have control of it, because I, I can't imagine being part of a team where everyone else is all combined. I don't know, it was just something selfish about me. I just thought, I don't know if I can commit to this many people for that long, and I want to be able to have maximum impact and be able to take control of that one thing I can, which is me. Mm-hmm. But we, I did that in school, it was in the soccer team. Great, we went through undefeated. But for me, it was kind of a hollow victory, like the team did it, not me, and I actually felt like I wanted to get out there and do something myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But other people find that community within their sport. I find I found the isolation so much easier for me. Mm-hmm. And it's well, just different. It's funny though because I actually rode in single skulls most of the time when mm-hmm. I started rowing, and even up to when I trained to become a world champion at eighteen. 
the girls in my boat, so there was four of us, and mm. two were from uh, South Australia, and the other one was from Western Australia. Yeah. So there's no way we could all take time off from uni, mm. school, and jobs to move together. Yeah. So I was actually in New South Wales at the time. I found a really awesome coach there, yeah. and she'd coached multiple world champions and Olympic athletes and mostly lightweight women, and yeah. I still keep in contact with them. But it was more just the enthusiasm and mm. sort of support that I got from them, even though I trained by myself. Yeah. It was people that really wanted me to do well and they saw something in me. Yeah. And I just really loved that. So. Yeah, I find that people go into sports like that as far as a community. So is there something else that wasn't kind of there in your life that you felt mm -hmm. part of there? Yeah, so mm. essentially when I when I started rowing, I didn't think so much about it, but mm. as the years went on and when you're a teenager and it gets difficult, um, I only really had my mum at home and she didn't particularly treat me that great and my dad, I had lost several years younger yeah. and my sister wasn't at home either, so yeah. I was really trying to escape a lot of things mm. when I started rowing, but it ended up just being, I was proving a point to myself that I could yeah. be good at something in life. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I'd, I'd love those stories because it's like prove to someone else, I'll prove it to myself rather than someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of athletes these days are doing it to prove a point to someone else rather than themselves. So how at the age of 14 did you decide, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to dedicate my life to this because I've got a son who's nearly 14 now. Mm -hmm. And he's just off with the fairies and doing his own thing <laughs> when he wants, how he wants. But there's so many kids these days are on their iPads and phones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about that? It was, yeah, I think it's it's a very different time in, in our, you know, society generation. You know, working mm. with kids now, I see that. Yeah. And it, it is upsetting because there's so much beauty and so many awesome things in life. And I think we need to take the time out to see those yeah. things. And for me as well, I'm a very outdoor person. I can't do a sport indoors. Yeah. I could never do basketball or, mm. you know, like even swimming, looking at a line. I was like, get me out. Like, I can't do this. I feel so trapped, but out yeah. with rowing, I saw so much beauty, and that's the thing. I got to travel the world. Like yeah. I went to the world championships twice, um, to Austria and France, and I traveled around Australia to go yeah. to national championships and, and regattas, and it was just, it's such a beautiful sport, mm. and, um, you know, I met great people, but, yeah, I guess the decision was based around just this idea of, like, I need to get out of the situation I'm in now and make something of my life, yeah. and... For me, I was not also not very smart. I didn't get great grades in school. I fell asleep most of the time. Rough, um, yeah. <laughs> so it was like I'm good at this. I yeah. can be really good at this. And but that, that's a huge commitment for a 14 year old mm -hmm. to make that call so to actually look up. Yeah. I mean, we're probably quite surrounded by devices, and you're a lot younger than I am. So there's got to be what is it, 27 you are now. Mm -hmm. The kids these days, like you say, it's frustrating because. I haven't mentioned it, but Anna's actually now got her own podcast and business and, and uh, working with young kids and mentoring and driving them and guiding them and getting them to step up. So I'll give you a bit of a say on that as well. Mm -hmm. But I get frustrated by kids. And for me, I'm kind of looking at you and going, well, oh, she's still a kid. <laughs> so how, how do you feel about the modern generation, the fact they're just sitting there waiting for things to happen rather than getting out there and chasing? Mm -hmm. um, you have to do it. And you have to be the one to do it for yourself. Mm. Like, no matter how much your parents want your dream or your friends, you know, want you to go to parties or whatever, yeah. I had to say no to so many things to mm. get to that point. And 
and it was it was hard because you see everyone having a good time and stuff mm. but you know if you see potential for yourself you have to go after it because you will never get that chance again yeah. like I'll never be as fit as strong as determined as I was at that age and I have a lot of those traits still but mm. it's different over time you want different things yeah. and so I think at 14 when I started to see myself winning races yeah. and by so much it was like I can't say no to this and then you just start to see like it's it's a lot of I think what you speak about as well Stuart which is like the idea of surrounding yourself with people yeah. who are equally as good and so I started to put pictures of world champions on my training book and mm. talking to people and and you know hearing of experiences of people that were successful so I could see like that's what I need to do and yeah. I just became you know you could say slightly obsessed with the idea of like watching the races and hearing the commentary but mm. I just loved it but that's that's the difference so anyone listening out there this is what it takes to become a world champion one you've got to sacrifice life it was an early decision that Anna made at the age of 14 literally sacrificed living laughing loving life time with friends time with family uh, even though you want to get away from family, yeah. <laughs> sacrificed a lot of that and then persistent enough to go, right, this is my dream, this is what I want to do. So there's never any question in your head, was it? No, I wouldn't say, yeah. So this is the difference about world champions versus the average at the elite level, is that pure determination, stubbornness, almost selfishness, but there was never any question or doubt about the end result mm. and you just kept going and going until you did it. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And I think, yeah, like an element of it, and I'm sure you, you know, talk about this as well, is like you don't necessarily know exactly when it's going to happen. Yeah. You just know that it will. Mm. And in my head, the year before I went to the World Championships and won, I previously come seventh in a double skull with someone, and yeah. it wasn't good chemistry and it didn't work. Yeah. And that sort of was, it sort of broke me. I was on mm. oxygen, my coach and my teammate at the time weren't super supportive, they didn't understand what I was going through, I was like putting a lot of pressure on myself and it was kind of like, oh my god, like my dream's just gone down the drain hole, what's mm. going on? Yeah. But then I went back the next year and I was stronger and fitter than I'd ever been and I knew and I the selectors kept making me trial for every boat, I came third in the single skull, mm. I should have been in top four for some considered boat but I wasn't and I yeah. kept trialing and trialing and trialing and steered a crew into the rocks at one point, but we, I won every single race yeah. that they put me in for trials, so there was no question in their mind, if they didn't put me in a boat, like, they're mad, mm. because yeah. I won every race, like, you just, you have to have that tenacity as a, as a young athlete, I think. Yeah, so that's such an interesting thing, you've got the dream, that even though you come to a brick wall, like with your doubles, there's still, that's a determination of that elite athlete to go, yeah, but that's where I'm going. No matter what happens, I'm going to get there. Um, there's another Olympic gold medalist, and Matt Mitchin, the diver, mm. and he said, "I knew I was going to be a world champion. I just didn't know in what sport and how and why to get there." And there he is. Mm. So there's a certain predetermined persistence and wiring within the human mind that goes, "Yeah, world champions are always going to rise. Mm -hmm. They're going to be out there somewhere." Mm. And that's the thing. It's amazing how many. Athletes are held back by going, well, that was all I could do. Mm. Change sport, shift things, do something, because that mindset, when you're older, you're going to look back and go, hang on, missed it, as you said. Mm -hmm. Take every yeah. opportunity. And you have to be willing to, yeah, change things sometimes. Mm. So it didn't work for me at 17 when I first went. 
And so I ended up moving to New South Wales. I connected with a coach from the year prior. She was supportive. She was everything that I needed in the coach. I'm very hard on myself. So I needed someone who was upbeat, but she, and and this is amazing. So I, um, I spoke with uh, one of my podcast interviewees, Alice McNamara, and she Mm. was an Olympic, I think, reserve for a few times. And she said that Ellen just had this way of being, she was supportive and like really upbeat, but you always wanted to work that little bit harder for her. And it was just like every day you were like, oh, I just want to be that much better because you know you can. And she just gave you that, Mm. you know, and pushed us really hard. But it was just what I needed. I moved Mm. out of an environment that wasn't supportive into one that was. And just it gave me enough time to really think about Mm. what I wanted to do. So when you found that right groove and in getting in the zone and the right people, the right culture, it made it so much easier than really struggling. Mm-hmm. And I find a lot of people do that. They struggle and push so hard thinking this is the only way to do it. But when you find the right pathway, everything just seems to open up. And even though you've still got the persistence, determination, the, the blisters on your hands, mm-hmm. there's still that desired result, but it just seems easier. Mm. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I think every athlete has... I lost a ton of races before I won them. You know, mm. I got called that bow before I was, <laughs> before I was decent at rowing. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's, and even, you know, life outside of rowing was quite challenging. Like, if I don't know if it's the right time to move on to what I'd done after, but yeah. even after becoming a world champion, I sacrifice a lot of life to move to the US mm. and study it with a scholarship and, and there. And I miss family weddings, funerals, yeah. you know, the birth of my niece and nephew. Like, there's so many things that mm. I missed out on, but I knew that being there was the opportunity of my life. And I think that if there are kids out there who are 14 and they yeah. just think, should I be good at sport or can I play on my iPad? It's like, no, go after what you want because if you get a scholarship yeah. after you finish with your sport and I hope that you play it as long as and, and go for it as much as you can, mm. you'll want something to fall back on and an education is the best thing. And so I wholeheartedly believe any kid who can get a scholarship to a university for being you know, passionate and love their sport is, is the next, like, best thing. So, yeah. Awesome. Now, anyone who just heard that or is watching this on YouTube, this is the reason why I've got Anna here because she's so passionate about the younger kids, the younger generations, that if you're interested, I guess, anywhere in the world, she will come to you. Um, give me a bit of a rundown on your podcast now, what you're doing now, because we can always come back to you as an athlete yeah. because your experience is helping so many thousands of the younger generation now, you're mentoring, guiding, inspiring them. Give us a bit of a rundown on what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, Give so, a plug for your podcast. Yeah. And more and more. <laughs> um, yeah, so about a year ago, I started Aspire Beyond Greatness mm-hmm. um, with Stuart's mentoring and guidance. Yay. <laughs> and yeah, so it's basically mentoring, coaching, uh, facilitating workshops, and my podcast. Oh, I said that already. Um, yeah, so working with you know, like-minded individuals to, Mm. you know, help kids to to go after what they want in life. And I think that, you know, it doesn't matter sort of where you come from or what you want to do. Mm. I wholeheartedly believe that you can have the things that you want and that you just have to change, you know, whatever's happening now to to kind of get there. Perfect. Let me come back to the name of the podcast, Aspire Beyond Greatness. So think Mm. about that and go, right, we're not building people up to be great, we're looking at, right, now what happens as a result of that greatness? How are you going to influence? How are you going to keep that momentum going? Because at the age of 18 with a world title, 
for so many people, that could be life's over. Mm -hmm. So your transition was literally right. Stop, suck it in, refocus, and with that same persistence and determination, go again. Because you moved to the States, college. Yeah. How many qualifications, degrees have you gone to get in your spare time? I have three to my name. Yeah. Three so, degrees? Yeah, so two undergraduates and mm -hmm. a master's in school counselling. So, yeah, it's a US degree and I'm working on probably another one. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that it's it wasn't, again, like that for me, I guess the similar yeah. to sport, it was sort of a no-brainer. I just loved learning. Yeah. And I think, I don't know where I read it, but there's a quote, when you stop learning, you stop living. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, when, for me, sport became like coaching and I got injured and I wasn't in my mm. sport anymore, yeah. it became like, how much can I learn? How much yeah. can I help people? How much can I influence others? Mm. And I thought that my life has been, you know, it's been amazing, but it's also been very challenging. Yeah. And I want to help people realize that no matter what circumstance you're in now, that's not your reality yeah. and that you're so much bigger and so much better than, you know, what you might even believe right now. So I yeah. think that's kind of the message that I want youth to work on. And even if they are in a good circumstance, I think a lot of it is just taking action. Yeah. You know, we think about the things we want, but we don't always necessarily take the next step of, of doing what that looks like. Yeah. Existing results, I use this for a lot of my clients, existing results equal your potential minus your fears. And that's where a lot of people fall down is in that whole element of fear. But fear beyond what if it doesn't work, what if it does, how am I going to be, well, I need to move out of home, but what if I don't succeed, but what if I don't get selected, what if this, what if that, there's all that element of fear. So that fear, it can be paralyzing. And there's so many kids sitting there at home on their iPads and iPhones, or Apples or whatever, Androids, <laughs> yeah. sorry, not sponsored or anything, thinking, I could, but what if I fail? And it's one of those things that this is the reason why I've got Anna here, is to kind of, I guess to some extent, wake up the younger generation, get them to look up mm. and start going, hey, look, in 10 years it's all going to be over. Any opportunity is going to be missed, and then there's going to be a massive amount of regret as you look back and think, what have I got to do? Mm. I've got sore thumbs, RSI in the thumbs, <laughs> I've got a sore neck from looking down all the time, I don't know how to communicate because I don't talk to friends and families, I'm not fit, I'm not healthy. There's a health issue that we're creating in our environment. It's just incredible how mm -hmm. it's just going to spiral. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the beyond greatness for me is just incredible because it's not just succeeding. It's, and knowing Anna, it's not the fact that I've got a world champion, therefore I'm successful. But it's becoming the person that Anna is to help and inspire other people. That's where the success has been. It's not the world title. Because I can guarantee that it's the challenges in life have given you the determination, the persistence to keep going. Mm -hmm. It was all just handed to you, just going, eh, it's all um, so easy. Why yeah. I think something else I really learned when I met, you know, being when I went to the US and I studied there, it opened up my world as well to other athletes. And yeah. I met, um, I think he was six times, his name was Mike Dinero, was a six-time Olympian um, or world champion senior athlete for the U.S. team. And then um, I know a girl, Kayla, who played for the WNBA hmm. and another European team and just these amazing people. Yeah. But something they all had was that they were so humble and you yeah. meet them and you just had no idea that they were so successful hmm. but so supportive and encouraging and 
but they just in their you know it's yeah. it's the hours that people don't see that you know they go after those things when no one's looking mm. that that's what really makes them you know yeah, so successful exactly so that that level of success is about more becoming that person that does that so you look at that and you go hang on they're probably looking at you and going wow she's awesome and they're probably looking at you and going, wow, that is amazing. Someone from Australia is coming over there, but they're based in the States. They're at home. You've packed up, you've moved overseas, you've gone to do your studies, you're amongst those people. But isn't it amazing how like attracts like? And that's what I find within the sporting community, or well, even in business as well. Like certainly attracts like. So if you've got potentially high athletes, they're going to attract that level as well. Again, but you look at your your crowd at school, your friends, your families, and just go, hmm, okay, so what is everyone else doing in my little circle of influence? As soon as you make a step up, it's like, oh, she's leaving us. But then you step into another circle. Then you... Mm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are too scared to leave the familiar mm -hmm. to go and push themselves. Yeah, and it's terrifying. <laughs> I yeah. was so scared. I had no idea what I was doing when I mm. first went over there, but... Um, yeah, I think I just had this whole other side of the world sort of family and it mm -hmm. just encouraged me to do so much more and I think I learnt more being there than I ever would have if I mm -hmm. stayed here yeah. and I think that what scares us most in life can sometimes be the greatest thing because I would say that was the best decision I've ever made yeah. was to go there and do that. Mm. Yeah, Because you come away with... Not only the knowledge, but the challenges. You've excelled, you've got the results, you've looked beyond it, you've applied the same belief and, I guess, attacking to go and take your degrees and qualifications on. Then you're now working as a counsellor. Then you decided, no, it's really not doing it for me. I go and change the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, the kids, give us a bit of a rundown on what was the reason why you got into your podcast. You've already mentioned the kids and inspiring them but mm -hmm. what's in it for you yeah I think what I've learned over time is that I absolutely love hearing people's stories mm. and it's such an amazing experience for me to be able to hear some of the different things the challenges people have overcome and who yeah. they've become today I think yeah like there's really no element of fear in the people that have become really successful and yeah. just they they do it there's just something inside of them that just drives them in a light mm. and a lot of them are just so you know, incredible. They just want to help people. It's not like, oh, when I get a lot of money or when I have a nice house or when I, you know, get all this stuff from all these people, then I'll be happy and successful. It's mm -hmm. like, no, I'm doing this because I want, you know, people to be better. I want to leave them better at the end yeah. of the day. Um, and I guess what I tell all of the interviewees that I have is that whoever is listening, for every kid, for every parent, for anyone in the community who's listening, yeah. for some kid to listen in and to realize whatever part of that story aligns with what they want to do, yeah. that, that it's possible for them. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you're, you know, 14, 18, 21, 27, whatever, you have different things that you want in life, right? You might yeah. want to be a lawyer or have a family of four or, you know, have a million-dollar house, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But what's, you know, how we actually get there, I think, is so difficult to understand when we're actually in it. Yeah. But Sometimes you need to take a step back and realize not everything has to be controlled and practiced and figured out. You kind of just, mm. you make steps every day to get there. And, you know, you hear 
about the different people, you know, that I have on the podcast that I talk to and everyone has such a different way of getting to where they wanted to be. But it's never the plan they intended, is it? Not really, no. I was having a conversation with someone earlier and going, right, this is where we are, that's where we want to go. I don't think anyone in life is going, you know, I'm just going to go there and it all just worked out. Because you wouldn't do it, would you? You just go, there's no challenge, there's no fun, there's no highs, there's no lows, there's no anticipation, there's just, well, I thought I'd go and become a world champion, so I hopped (laughs) in a boat and there I was, got it. So... The strength, and the abilities, and everything come from past experiences. So you look at this and go, right? If I didn't have all that stuff in the past, would I have the persistence, the determination, the motivation to do this? Mm. I can see why, at a younger age, you've gone, oh, I'll just go in a row, because Anna was just talking about that flow. Go, you can't be happy when you've got the money. So many people go, yeah, I'll be happy when, but it's there's a certain flow that happens, and it starts with. Happiness first. You've got to work on your self-happiness, not with anyone else, but you've got to work on you as number one to fill yourself up. Then health is a natural benefactor of focusing on your happiness. Because if you're not happy, you're not going to go to the gym and work on yourself. So you've got to have happiness, then health. That's when love is coming underneath it. So you've got happiness, health, then love. Simple, isn't it? So then when you find yourself happy, you work on yourself, you get the confidence, you go into a relationship, and then naturally wealth comes up underneath it. And it's just a natural flow. But if people start going for the money first, I go, oh, I'll be happy when I find someone. I'll be happy when I'm fit. It doesn't work that way. No. It's always got to come down from that happiness, then to health, then love, then wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's Process. exactly where you're going, isn't it? Yeah. Find that sport that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And then it's yeah. irrespective of the results. Because most people at that point of time go, they'll get nervous because I really want the results. Mm-hmm. You look at that and go, but if you're happy, the results will naturally come anyway, won't they? Yeah. So did you find yourself getting nervous before <laughs> these major events? Well, it's very funny that you say that because at every major race, like I've never been more terrified in my life. Yeah. And you think it's just crazy because, you know, like you were talking about, you just love the process so mm. much. Like, I just loved the training mm. so much. And I, I'm never anyone to complain about things. Like, if I'm struggling, I will. But And throughout, I just, I loved, you know, riding to the gym, doing a workout, riding home, being so obliteratedly yeah. exhausted all the time. Mm. But, yeah, when I lined up, you know, some races that I would really remember is, like, when I lined up, a state championship race and it was like the women's single skull and I'm I went against like an ex-Olympian who you know who rode at the single skulls in the Olympics um, and represented Australia and like all these other women who were just way bigger way stronger way faster than me and I won the race and I was like oh my god (laughs) what is happening (laughs) and you just you remember those things and when I lined up I was like I can do this. Like, I'm scared shitless, but I can do this. I yeah. trained. I want this. Like, mm. you know? And then even for, um, you know, for the World Championships when I was in four, mm. it was like, I was so scared. I've never been more scared. But at the same time, I just thought, we don't have a choice. Like, we're doing yeah. this. Mm. And it was a lot of, you know, similar to the work that you do. We sat down with a sports psychologist in, the, in one, of our, one of our training camps and, you know, we all sat down and we just thought, what goal do we have here, right? right? 
And for all the other three girls, it was their first year to go to the World Championships. And they're like, oh, we don't know. It's just going to be so good. Like, you know, I just hope, oh, let's make that final. Like, let's make it good. And they were so good and, like, so talented. And I was Mm. just like, no, F this, you guys. I'd been a year before. I was on Oxygen and Devastated. We're winning this thing and we have no other option. And they're like, okay, that'd be good. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. That was like sort of, and so the whole time we trained as though we were going to win, we acted as though we were going to win, everything mm-hmm. we did, it was though, that was our only option, and then when we came together and, you know, we trained, it was like, that's, we just knew it was going to happen, you were, did. Yeah, just going back to that, because you had three or four different people from three different states in Australia. Mm-hmm. If anyone knows Australia, we're, it's, it's fairly expansive. <laughs> it's, if you, if you overlay Australia over the United States, it's as big. So people think there's this little island down the bottom of the world, but it's, it's a big world. Yeah. It's a big island, and it's the same size as the States and probably three or four times the size of Europe combined. It's huge. It's massive. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got that distance where you've got four people from various sides of the country all coming together in one boat to somehow be in synchronised in harmony in that one moment. Yeah, pretty impressive. Pretty incredible. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess we were super fortunate to have the people around. We all trained with people that made us better, and mm. it was pretty cool. Like, I remember I used to train at N-Swiss, which is the New South Wales Institute of Sport, yep. and the four guys that got a silver medal at the Olympics um, for the four, yeah. they were there, and they would train there, and I was like, oh, my God, they're so good. Like, I want to train and be like them. <laughs> And you see, I think I saw Matthew Mitchum was on yeah. the like trampoline practicing his diving technique and stuff. And you just, mm. you're around these people and it makes you want to work harder because you're like, I'm surrounded by people that are just so mm. talented. So that's another tip for all those, I guess we're probably more aiming at the younger kids at the moment with this podcast. But anyone, surround yourself with the right people. Get the right resources, the right people, the right support network, the right team around you. And it makes it so much different and so much easier. Mm-hmm. I guess... One of the biggest things that I want to share with people is that you don't have to have a lot of money, you don't have to be really smart, and you don't have to be told that you're really talented to be good at something. Yeah. I'm too short, too stocky, my family didn't have a lot of money, and I was not very smart. I didn't, mm. I didn't have all the things that everyone was told. You have to be tall, you, know, yeah. you have to be six foot five and you know, weigh this much and have this arm span and be this powerful to be a rower yeah. and your family, you know, and... I didn't have all those things, and I got told by so many people, you'll never make it, you'll never be good enough, but I just, I was like, ah, screw you, (laughs) and I just went for it anyway. It's got to be, and that's where I think that whole, your upbringing as a kid is just going, really? There's no challenge here. I've been through the most challenging part of my life just getting to this 14-year-old and the 18-year-old. We're going for it. So what? You get a little bit of pain. So what? You're on oxygen. Yeah. <laughs> but what's it like now, knowing you put everything in there and you got the win, rather than just going, oh, I didn't want to hurt myself too much in the day? Yeah. It's it's really amazing. Like, mm. I think, I, I don't always tell people, you know, about having achieved that, but I think it's a part of me that I'll never forget, and it does make me realise that I can sort of do anything that I want yeah. in life. And I think that's what I want youth to realise, is yeah. like, you might, you might think that all these obstacles that are coming up and are in your way are, you know, like telling you that you can't have something. Mm. But maybe it's just not the right time. You know, when I was 14, that wasn't the right time. When I was 17, that wasn't the right time. Yeah. When I'm 27, like, 
and it's not the right time, but 18 was. Mm. And, and now I had, you know, that time in my life when I did that. And now I want to share that with people and be able for them to realize that they can do things for themselves too. And it's, you know, like people have a dream every day, right? Yeah. But it's usually something they probably least expected, mm. you know? And so I think that it, it can be possible. And if you put in, you know, the right amount of, of the right work, then, yeah. you know, it can happen. And not just the youth, it's the athletes of today as well. Suddenly you find yourself confronted with, oh, here's a choice in life. Do I go for it? Will I always regret it? Just go for it. And even if you're not an athlete and listen to this, like you might be a parent listening as well, do it in life as well. You're never too old to start because everything starts whether you're 18 or whether you're 27. Mm -hmm. There's a new beginning at 27. There's a new beginning tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Just wake up and start again and just go, you know, if I knew I couldn't fail, what would I do? But unfortunately what happens within our human mind is the older we get, the more experiences we have, the more experiences, the more potential hurt, potential harm that we could have. So therefore, we've got more excuses mm. already lined up. And that's what I find a lot of people, they've got the, all these excuses that have always worked and you can pick them. Mm. You go, right, excuse, right. Is this the same sequence you would normally use ex excuses in? Is that the normal random pattern that we just select the ones that you know work all the time that you can justify to yourself that you have or haven't succeeded? And half the time they give you, but right, let's bang, nut it down. So if everyone can kind of go, right, okay, well, in four years' time, like Anna at 14 to 18, imagine if you can all sit down and go, right, okay, in four years' time, this is what I'm going to achieve. Mm. Pretty powerful. Yeah, definitely. And come back and we'll review this in four years' time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. in wrapping up, give us a bit of a summary from you as a 14-year-old, mm. then an 18-year-old, and a 27-year-old. <laughs> um, I think so 14 I was very lost um, I didn't really know what I wanted in life and mm. so I think that when I found what I loved and it was easy I, I, I kept doing it I saw progress and I kept doing it and you know I, and I think I said this before but like when the oars hit the water and it just it was fluid and it was like the one place in my life I could go and I just loved it. It was like, it was easy, it was fun, and it was like this beautiful scenery, these great people, and the boat just sung, and I was like, yep, I'm happy. Fantastic. <laughs> um, at 18, I think, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, like, when you achieve something that big, it's the end, and you're like, mm. oh, my God. And I think there was a part of me that was a bit scared, because when I yeah. wrote after that, I didn't see it's the same success. Yeah. But that was a point in my life that I needed to realize that other opportunities would open up for me. Mm. And that's, you know, sort of when I went to the U.S. and I, you know, picked the coldest place to go. Oh, well done. <laughs> With all the snow. Um, so I did my undergrad in at uh, Syracuse University. Mm. So five hours north of New York City, huge amount of snow every year. <laughs> and I asked myself why. But one of the best coaches in the country was there. One, some of the mm. best teammates that I've ever had. Fantastic. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so I think it was a sort of a new opportunity. Mm. And at 27, I would say, again, like learning. Yeah. Now it's sort of relearning how to look after myself and the different areas of my life. I think, you know, sort of going off what you were saying before about meeting people and the patterns of hurt and things and then yeah. people withdrawing in life, something that I've learned a lot over the last, you know, year yeah. since I started my business and everything mm. is that, Everyone is born whole and you have yeah. everything that you need when you're born and that over time 
you know, the, the shell you're in kind of starts to erode away. Yeah. But the more you can do working on yourself to realign with, like, this idea of being whole and realising that you're enough no matter what circumstances happen, I yeah. think that's when life starts to open up opportunities for you. Yeah. So. And that's, I guess, it, isn't it, really? Yeah. So, look, um, Anna, a huge thank you from me and obviously from those listening and watching oh, out there. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there because I think that was really valuable in regards to the 14, the 18, the 27th. They're all my major milestones, but every one of them comes with a decision and a response and an action, and it really is. When you commit to yourself and do it for yourself and invest in yourself, you'll be successful no matter what the outcome. So leaving it at that, so I'm Stuart Walls of the Athlete Secret Weapon, and thank you to Anna, Anna Karzitsky. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Stuart Walter and the Athlete Secret Weapon podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn. To connect with Stuart, find him at Stuart Walter ASW on Instagram, Elite Mindset Institute on Facebook. Watch these podcasts on Stuart Walter's channel on YouTube. If you have questions, would like the opportunity to work with him or to book him for events, email Stuart directly on stuart at elitemindsetinstitute.com.au. Music and voiceover provided by SLT Live Productions. More information at sltlive.com.